Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. As we step into the family room again this week, uh, we're going to do another one of our uh, banter shows between the guests here. And it's interesting because as we come out of Holy Week and, you know, the contemplation of what went on, what came to my mind, and I don't know how you, Mari, and John feel about it, but you have so many times the references where Christ died and there was this despair, there was this yearning for where to go, what's going on. And in two short days, you know, Mary Magdalene and others ran to the tomb and he wasn't there. Peter and John ran to the tomb and he wasn't there. Um, You look at Emmaus, right? Two people walking along discussing what happened, where did he go? Um, And then you find out he showed up in kind of these unusual circumstances where people didn't recognize him, Mm -hmm. but yet he was who he was. And it just caused me to think about, you know, in the world I live in today, you know, how often do I search for Christ somewhere? And he may show up every single day and I just don't recognize him because I'm not listening for his voice or I'm not seeing him. But yet when I contemplate that, I think, well, he showed up in each one of you in my life at one point or time in another. He's shown up in other ways. So. I just wanted to throw it out there to talk about our own faith lives a little bit, how we seek God and maybe find him in the most unusual ways. And I don't know, maybe we've got some stories that we can identify that make some sense. So as we enter into this, what are your thoughts? Well, I love how you've tied it to kind of our own faith life, too, and and taking this time of year to contemplate that. And, you know, we always ask each of our guests, you know, share with us your faith journey. And I don't know that we've shared so much about our faith journey. And then what your question also made me think about is, you know, it's individual for each one of us, but this is the family room. So as parents, right, have we shared that with our kids? Have we told our kids about our own faith journeys? Have we asked them about their faith journeys? Is this something that, that we talk about. I know that we go to mass together with our families. We pray the rosary with our families. We, um, during this, you know, time of, uh, the, like you said, Holy week that we just came through, there were a lot of things that we did stations of the cross or various things that we did part of our Catholic tradition with our families. But do we talk about that? Do we talk about how they were all talking? They're like, have you seen him? Where is he? You know, everybody's seeking him. Have we talked about, did you, have you been seeking him and have you found him? I think that's a great, a great thing to contemplate. Yeah. What about you, Where's your brain, Jen? Yeah. What are you thinking? Oh man, all over the place. But, um, I think the, um, what, what, where my mind went immediately was, you know, looking, looking for Jesus. Then the song looking for love in all the wrong places came to mind. Mm. I mean, it, it Mm -hmm. really Right, you think about no, I think that. It's valid. It's yeah. very valid. It's because yeah. because at the end of the day, when we're looking for Jesus, we're looking for love. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's John's opinion, but I don't think I'm far off. And and it's just we have an expectation. We have expect. I I I shouldn't put that on you guys. I have expectations. I think Jesus should look like this. I think he should communicate this way. I think that. You know, this aching that I have inside of me, which is just nothing more than him calling me back to him, should be filled a certain way, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so 
it, it would, I, I always said, man, I, I should, I, if I lived where the apostle lived, I'd have been a better apostle. And I'm like, eh, now that I know, I'll, like, absolutely not. Cause I, I wouldn't have seen him. I wouldn't have seen him. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'd have been that guy at the, at the Ascension, like, well, you're going to do it now, Lord. Now you're going to get the army together. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I mean, they talk about that, that they talk about that the reason that Judas may have, you know, brought the Sanhedrin and brought the yeah. leaders in was to go, okay, Jesus, go ahead and do Let's it. Go. Calm do down. Like yeah. He was trying to force the issue and yeah. say, okay, bring yeah. the angels. Like he really had faith. Force his hand. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so anyway, so that's, that's kind of where my mind went. And there's, there's lots of other things I think we'll talk about, but I think, I think, um, the whole idea about family room and what have you done for your kids mm-hmm. and, 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 how are how are they living their faith as a function of how we lived ours? Uh, I know at work, like nothing. I get rattled and and frustrated, but nothing to the point like, holy, I don't know what I want to do now. It's like, okay, I've seen this pattern before. I, mm-hmm. I see how this plays. I know how this plays out. Chill, man. Yeah, and, and we'll mm-hmm. get through this, right? Mm-hmm. You're because of your experience. Because experience, mm-hmm. yeah. You just see pattern, or I recognize patterns very quickly, right? And 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 all kinds of different things. And, and I think the trick is helping your kids to to recognize the patterns and recognize the the right signals and the wrong signals. If you're in a selling situation, you know by body language, by certain responses, that okay, this is this is an op, this is an this is an objection that I'm going to have to deal with now, or this is an objection that's just stalled and we're going to move past it, right? right? And so, how do you how do we help our kids understand when it's Jesus? And when it's not, when mm-hmm. it's when you're looking for love in all the wrong places, and when you're not, mm-hmm. so that's that's my ADD moment. No, I mean I think, that, I think that's relevant because again, you mentioned it. The apostles, a lot of the Jews, and everybody had an expectation yeah. that the Savior was going to be of a certain kind, mm-hmm. and I think he blew everybody away with who he really was. So I think it's relevant because you know we all have a version of who. Christ is, or we don't have a version because we're too blind because of other things. So before we then, I guess, dive into our own maybe uh, faith story slash journeys, you you always open us in a prayer. Would you officially open us in a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that we are created in your image and that you are the constant pull in our minds and our hearts, whether we recognize it or not, that you are the one who calls us back every single day with the beautiful things, with the difficult things, with the trying things, and that the the way you left us with your own body and blood, that we would, even if we fail in every other scenario to recognize you, that we will always recognize you in the breaking of the bread Mm -hmm. and that we will always make time for breaking of the bread. Father, we ask for your blessings and your grace and the downpouring of your Holy Spirit this time and and, and for always. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. 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 So where do we go, guys? What's on your minds? Okay, so something John just said, and I think we've talked about this before, but John, you just said, you know, so how does that 
you know, in the family room, how does that happen for our children? And mm-hmm. so it made me go back to, okay, how did it happen for each of us from our parents? Like, was there anything your parents did or didn't do that helped you to start to look for Jesus? You know, Craig, you said we start to look for him, or John, you said we start to look for love or to start to recognize him. Was there anything your parents did specifically that laid that foundation for you? And we may have talked about this a little Maybe, bit before. Yeah. You know, probably when we first started. I mean, for me, it was it was disinteresting because I mean, you always went to church, so it was, it was mm-hmm. kind of a perfunctory move. You just did what you did, mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. I think my heart was maybe open to it, but again, I did it my own way, which was just lazy. And <laughs> you know, if something showed up, it showed up. But again, I think because my mother's involvement in the charismatic renewal that was very Holy Spirit driven, very mm-hmm. much Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, she just had the conversations and she was involved. So to your point about just living the faith, mm-hmm. you know, she was involved in charismatic masses. She was involved in things. So I, I guess the search for Jesus came number one from in more particularly her involvement. Cause like, and my father wasn't baptized at the time, but her involvement in the church, mm-hmm. her involvement in faith, and then her involvement talking about Jesus, not like he was, um, an odd person, not like he was, you know, some strange person. Interestingly, and, and I, I've, I've found that find this parallel interesting. Uh, there's a documentary on Mother Teresa that's on Pure Flix right now. Okay. And Mark Wahlberg's older brother, who was into drugs and into a lot of not so good things. Was that Donnie? Is that right? No, it was uh, James, I think James? it is. Okay. okay. He uh, was in prison for drugs and all kinds of other things. And a priest made mention to him that. Um, this nun was coming and he may be interested and he had no idea who Mother Teresa was, but he was like, yeah, this Mother Teresa is coming. He's like, this is awesome. Who the heck is she? So long story short is um, she shows up at the prison. And again, she's probably shorter than you are. Yeah, I think she was about 4'10 or so. She's a tiny little lady. But she starts talking about Jesus. And evidently she started talking about how he loves him and what he wants for you. I guess how your your past is not defining you, mm-hmm. and what it caused the mind though is uh, Wahlberg walks out and he's impacted by it, and he goes up to the priest and he says, "That's the Jesus I want to know about, mm-hmm. not the one I was taught when I was a kid, because mm-hmm. the one he was taught when he was a kid is everything you do, I'm keeping track of. You're yeah. wrong. You're going to hell, whatever." But he was like, "That's the Jesus I want to find." Yeah. And I think in my life, my mother talking about Jesus as a personal mm-hmm. friend, savior, however you want to you want to uh, state it, um, made me a lot more interested in well, who the heck is that then? Yeah, he wasn't just up on the cross in the church that you went to on Sundays, but your mom brought him into your home as Correct. a as a personal a friend, person, as yeah. as somebody yep. to yep. talk to. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. How about for you, John? I think it was. Um, my parents certainly lived. The life and and held the standards, but probably the the person who gave me the insights was my grandmother, hmm. and um, she had a very difficult life. Um, grew up on a farm. I kind of wish that they kept the farm because where the farm <laughs> was in Chicago was very, very like it's great real estate right now. Like, rig- how, like Wrigley Field is right there. No, 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 no. no South Side. We're South Siders, but. Um, but anyway, sorry for that. But um, <laughs> but um, her parents were immigrants and and but and farmers, just salt of the earth people. Um, but and she had two sisters. Uh, one one married a doctor. One married a vice president of Jewel Paint. So they all 
kind of like made it and grand the married, American dream kind of thing. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Graham married my grandfather, who was a contractor, and. And like I never met him. I'm told he had a really good sense of humor. He could do anything. All the neighbors told me how great my grandfather was. Anyway, but they lost a child. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, I think, seven years old, and she oh, passed wow. away. And then they lost their house during the depression, and just all kinds of things. But there was a calm faith about her, like in two things: the Sacred Heart and the Blessed Mother. And um, and whenever I would struggle <clears throat> with homework with a project whatever she'd be like did you take time to pray Hmm. and i mean i'm sure i didn't think precisely this thought in the third grade or fifth grade is like woman i can't get it done now with all the time that i have so how is five you know how is taking time out of this actually going to work and it probably wasn't until i don't know high school where i actually tried it and i was like wow that's that's for real right so it was it was this kind of really practical, approach. very practical, very asking you will receive, seeking mm-hmm. you will find, mm-hmm. and it was this trust, always a trust. Yeah. And um, and when I discovered, which is really ironic, because like if you if you went and talked to Father Lino right now, I don't think I'm belying any secrets. I'm pretty sure I felt like he was preaching to me at like Odyssey the other night because it's all about trust, it's all about obedience, and as much as I've seen to still always have my expectations and want things to go my way and not trust if it doesn't go my way. As, as bad as I am with that, I, that's the, it was that woman, my grandmother, who, who had this fundamental trust that it was like, there is a goodness, there is a God, and he is through all things uh, consistent, right? Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. You know, and one of the reasons I was asking you guys, like, how did your parents go into this is because, you know, we know right now there's so much vying for our children. There's so much out there trying to tear them away and to get them to, we were just talking about this Andy Griffith, right? Yeah, Where, yeah. Wait, John, you can quote it. How did, how did he say it again? What did he say? Just, you can't, you can't let the youngins decide, right? It, Cause they'll, they'll grab at the first shiny thing with ribbons on it. And then when they discover it's got a hook in it, it'll be too late. Yeah. Yeah. And if I could do that with a North Carolina accent, we'd have it done. <laughs> but, but you know, a lot of people say, oh, you just have to let your children decide, yeah, no. but there's too much out there. And so laying that fact, both of you have grown in your faith, but there was a foundation there. There yes, was somebody had sure. already introduced yes. you in a special personal way to Jesus by how they lived their life, by how they talked about him. I know in my family growing up, I've said before, I grew up on Guam, which was a 98% Catholic island. Faith was part of everybody's everyday life. Every village had its own patron saint. I don't know any place else in the world where every single village has a patron saint. And there's a fiesta that happens on your saint's feast day. And no matter if you live in that village or not, if you're driving through, they wave you in, come eat, eat. You know, so that was just kind of part of what I saw. If you turn on the TV, the little local station there. I think there was 24-hour adoration because there were always these little really? ladies. Oh, wow. There were these little ladies, and they had the mantilla, the the little um, like lace veil covering head. veil yeah. on, yeah. Yeah. and they were saying the rosary. Like, every time you turn that station on, the rosary was going on on my TV set, when I was my little black and white TV set when I was growing up. Um, in the newspaper, there was, for everybody's death announcement, it had... When what the novena, what the nine days of prayer dates were going to be oh, wow, on the yeah. first anniversary, they did more novenas. So it was just part it's of who culture. it was yeah. the culture. It was totally, definitely the culture. Now, having said that, it was um, I don't know that I had a personal, personal relationship that had to grow with time and yeah. with my own personal experience. But 
I was introduced to Jesus. I was introduced to God. My parents would always say, okay, make sure you say your prayers. You know, we weren't ones that said prayers together, but they would say, say your prayers. Or if something happened, they would say, well, it must be God's will. So I was introduced to those concepts and it was just became part of our conversation. And I think that sometimes because of the way the world is these days and everybody's, well, everybody has to find their truth and there's all, you know, there's not absolute truth according to some people that they feel like they have to let their children just find it on their own. Well, guess what? There is a uh, there is somebody prowling about the world, right? Oh there is the evil one prowling about the world. He is seeking to devour souls, and that is straight from Scripture, yeah. and he will. He will use whatever he can, and it's interesting knowing we were going to talk about this. I reached out to both my kids who are now you know both out of the house. They're in college. And I said, hey, so, and I probably should have asked this a long time ago. So, you know, it, which, what do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? You know, hoping they were going to say yes. And I'm thinking, did I ever really ask them that? I know we talked about Jesus the whole time they were growing up. Um, and I said, and if so, how has it grown and how did you get it? And both of them, you know, texted back and said, it came from both external situations in my life as well as internal experiences in my life. And that, and they both said, and it has, it's now that we've been out of the house, it's had to be a, we've had to make a conscious decision. decision. We've had to make a conscious decision to actually follow our faith. And they both have made those decisions and I'm watching them make those decisions to follow their faith life and knowing, but, and then I said, okay, but why are you following Jesus? Why not Buddha? Why not any new age mysticism, all this other stuff out there. Um, and they both said, it's because we learned about Jesus first. And I was like, that is so important for parents to know. That foundational. That foundational. They heard about Jesus first. They were introduced to Jesus first. They saw how Jesus worked um, and how, like Craig, you said, how your your mother, Jesus, was part of just a, a friend of hers, yeah. right? Your grandmother's, even with hard times, she trusted in this man, Jesus. And I'm hoping that my husband and I did the same, shared our own personal walk with our kids enough that they saw that they could count, they could have faith. And, um, you know, we like to believe that it's all of our prayers, all of our Hail Marys, all of the times we've been to church and part of it, just make sure, make sure they've see, they know who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for me too, the inter- as you bring it up to the interesting part was through, you know, middle school, high school, even though I was exposed to that, um, the faith for me was, I won't say in my mother, mm-hmm. but it was like, she's a holy person. God listens to her. He's not really hearing my prayers uh. because I knew the the sinful things I did. I knew the things that I shouldn't be doing. And it was that immaturity of, well, I know I believe in Jesus because we've talked about him. I mean, again, I went Catholic school my whole life. So, yeah. you know, thanks to my parents, you know, they paid for that and allowed me to do that. But it really wasn't my faith. And when I say that, I mean, I was always Catholic, but I was culturally Catholic in as much as in the North, everybody's Catholic for the Mm -hmm. most part, whatever. But to explain a relationship with Christ where there was this this trust, um, and I would say today I struggle Mm -hmm. with that sometimes. As John Mm -hmm. said earlier, well, Christ, if you are really my friend and you really loved me, my daughter wouldn't be sick. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't have a job issue. I wouldn't have, none of these things would happen. Right. And then for me, it was a little bit of, well, my faith must be terrible because these wouldn't happen if I had Mm, more faith because Christ says, you know, if you have a little bit of faith, you're going to move mountains. Right. And I think the maturity over time, finding Jesus was 
in those instances where I sat in a tomb mm. feeling dead or feeling lost mm. that somebody entered in and said something or did something that was like, okay, wow, I just got to believe that he's really here. Yeah. That person showed up and said, you know what? You're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And then after the fact, I recognize, well, that was Jesus. Yeah. You know, the random phone call from my mother, from a friend that says, I was just thinking about you. Yeah. Just the idea that somebody reached out, touched my life by caring. Could let me sit back and go, my God, that was you. Yeah. So you said something that I never thought about until you said it. It's like if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you would move mountains. Correct. All right. So let's just peel that onion back a little bit. He didn't say if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, life will be a carnival. You will move delightful objects. You will get in really wonderful cars and go wherever you want. He said you will move mountains. Have you ever mm -hmm. tried to move a mountain? I don't even want to walk a whopping it's, around them. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like climbing them, but I mean, so I don't like yard work. Almost, I, I, <laughs> until you said that, it, he's saying there's going to be mountains. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. like the whole thing about make, fill in the valleys, make straight the, the path. The path yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like there's going to be mountains. Make straight the highways so, for God. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I can't yeah, get yeah. it right. It's yeah, from yeah. Advent, so that was a while ago. <laughs> but, um, but it's like. When you said that, and it makes me think that, Mara, you said, hey, look, there's somebody prowling about this. The devil is for real. And I think um, I think the reason we have to learn, I don't know, it's like language. When you're one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, you learn a language very quickly, right? Mm -hmm. You can acquire a language much later in life, and you can acquire multiple languages. But early on, when you learn that language, then it's it's part of you, I think, that going all the way back to what's happening with our children it's like if you're speaking that language and and you're not intentionally trying to teach your children necessarily but you're just speaking the language around them they acquire that language mm -hmm. and so i think that's i guess that's what i ultimately want to get to is like just speak the language live the life there's going to be mountains in your life there are mountains in my grandmother's life there's every there's you're climbing mountains right now and um, and but the language that we learned is the one that ultimately sustains us because there's just so much perversion of the truth right now. And it's real easy to get sucked in the devil. If you can get angry and with somebody and, and, and get some good, a good head of hate going over a righteous concept, devil's happy. Mm. Right. Devil's hate doesn't care what you're hating about. Just hate. Please just hate. Mm. Right. Yeah. Eesh. Yeah. You know, as you say, okay, a few things have struck me as you guys have been talking. One is um, you talked in a way about God moments, right? Craig, you were talking about the times that Jesus has shown up through other people, through the phone yeah. call, through all of that. And I think sometimes I know that uh, some of the groups that I've been part of, we encourage people to start or end a time together talking about God moments because we go so fast in our lives, we forget to look for him. And that's what you were saying. Are we seeking him? Yeah. Are we looking for him? He's Is he right in front of us and we're not noticing him? And so every day, what are the God moments? At your dinner table, where did you see God today? Where did God show up to you personally today? Because you started us out with the visual imagery of the tomb and everybody running to the tomb. Well, who was the first one who saw Jesus at the tomb? Mary Magdalene. And what? And how did she see him? As a gardener. As a gardener. 
and he called her name. Right. right. It was a God moment for her specifically. Yeah. He was very specific, you know, and she was the one who had been delivered of the demons. She had been talk about mountains yeah. being moved in her life. You know, he had moved mountains for her in her life and she had been renewed in this relationship with, because of this relationship with him. And so, and so, but he spoke her name and then she saw him. And so where are the places where Jesus is speaking your name? And so each person's God moment is going to be different, but do we stop and ask people, Hey, so where, what's been your God moment specifically just for you today where God did something yeah. just for you? And are we remembering to ask each other? And that was what was interesting to me when I asked my kids that question, how they both said both externally and internally, there have been things that have happened. And I kind of want to dig in and go, tell me more. <laughs> what were those? But I realized those were their intimate God moments for each of each of them. Um, and I think that's, and then when you're talking about speaking the language, you know, it, it's so interesting how, especially as Catholics, we have a different language than our Protestant brothers and sisters. And I know that when I came to the United States and I went off to college, I, I went to college in the, in the South, and there were a lot of evangelical Christians, and I didn't speak the language. I can speak it now. I can, I can totally speak it now. I learned to become bilingual, but I did not speak it. So I didn't know the answer to the questions. Like the very first question, they say, how, why, why are you going to heaven? And I'm like, uh... Because I'm a good person. Cause I, I didn't know how to answer their question. I'm post-Vatican II kid, right? You know, my CCD was basically touch, catching tadpoles in the mud puddles behind the church. It was not good. You know, so <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, maybe the Baltimore Catechism taught people how to answer that question, right? But I didn't learn that. Yeah. Um, now I know. Now I can speak that language. But what kind of language, too, are we teaching our children? You know, do they know the whys behind what they believe? Yeah, I think that's pretty important. What else is hitting you guys? Well, I mean, I think number one, um, very few of us know the whys. You mm -hmm. know, when you when you really look at the depth of it, I think very few know the whys. And I think coming back out of the break, what I want to break down was the fact that Christ died. The apostles went away afraid. They could have stayed in that room, or they could have dispersed and went back to their life, saying, "Oh, the heck with this." But yet, what I got out of Magdalene's coming back is she sought Jesus again. Mm. She sought to bless him. She sought to do something for his body because she didn't understand he was going to rise from the dead. And then yet she had an experience going back to what you said. And she went and shared that experience with the apostles mm -hmm. who ran to go see. Yeah. And guess what? John, not our John, but the, uh, the other John, he outran Peter. Right. But they both ran different paces, Different imagery when you hear one got there and stopped, wouldn't go in. The other one stepped in boldly and looked. Mm -hmm. Then the other one came in. Going back to very different experiences of searching for Christ, yeah. but it all led to the exact same thing. Yeah, I love that. That's so, beautiful. We're going to continue this conversation, folks. So thanks for joining us in the family room. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's healthcare services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not healthcare. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States. 
with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest. We're talking about a lot of things, but we started with the idea of just why didn't the, the apostles or Mary or, or the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus recognize Jesus, you know, right away after the, the resurrection. And that's taken us all kinds of different places. And I think one of the things, just before it sneaks back out of my brain again, the question you have to ask is, are you spending time looking for him? And mm-hmm. are you spending time listening? Like Mary recognized his, his voice and yeah. that was so, but she had been, she had been with him and all these different scenarios and totally vulnerable. Right. So, where are we in that time where we're just quiet and our heart is open and raw and he can call our name and we would recognize it. So it's, I think spending time, yeah. specific time, is kind of critical. For me, that's the critical part because if I go back and really look, I would say I've probably found Christ more through a Good Friday moment than other things, meaning, yeah. you know, in college was in a relationship that again, looking for love in all the wrong places type of a thing. And I was silly enough to keep reading my Bible, whatever. But the bad things of that relationship 
when I'd read the Bible, I mean, seriously, it was almost like the it was those passages were written for me mm. of God kind of saying, all right, knock it off, stop doing that. You need to turn this around, whatever it is. And then, you know, playing basketball when my career ended. I mean, I remember walking around in a in a thunderstorm crying because my a lot of my identity and who I was for a long time was I'm a very good basketball player. I mean, I, you know, I'm getting paid theoretically, you know, by scholarship to be here. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Why are yeah. you taking this stuff away from me? But it was in those moments of what in the world and having a conversation, like really, you talk, you, we, we talked about at the break about, you know, how do we share our faith with our kids? And oftentimes we're afraid to be vulnerable with our spouses. Yeah. How are we vulnerable with our kids that said, look, yeah. I may sound like I'm really strong in my faith, but I've had these major moments where I was like, like Mother Teresa, mm -hmm. you know, Lord, where are you in these moments? Lord, where I don't hear you anymore. Mm -hmm. And for me, going back to that comment about Mary Magdalene, she ran to the tomb to go find him. Yeah. That's where I found Christ when I had to turn back and, and not hide and not say, I'm never talking to you again. But it's in that pain and in those tears, where are you? Mm -hmm. That I have learned to start to hear his voice. Yeah. That I love you. I care about you. I'm not going to give you the answer right now. Just keep coming to find me. Keep seeking me. Keep that built their relationship. Going back to how did I develop a relationship? It was being separated from my mother's faith mm -hmm. that Christ said through these challenges, I had to develop my own faith. And it's still developing. Trust me, I'm not there yet. But it's still this journey of, God, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. Where am I going to go? Mm -hmm. And almost him smiling and saying, you're going to follow me. Yeah. You're going to surrender to me. Just listen. So that's kind of where mine has gone or come from. Yeah. I think you gave us beautiful imagery for that, too, when you mentioned they were in the tomb. And so we're our own tombs. Where are the times where we've been in a place of deadness, where we've been in a place of the end of life as we knew it? Um, kind of like the Lazarus moment, right? Yeah. We've died ourselves and Christ calls us out. Right, right. But we, are, but we have to be seeking him. We need to be looking for him. There's that great painting where Jesus is on one side of a door yeah. and the other person, you know, the seeker is on the other side and there's only a knob on the seeker side. Yeah. There's only the knob on our side. We are the one who has to open the door. Yep. Um, and you talked about hearing his voice, but you have to, John, like you said, you have to spend time with him in order to recognize his voice. And Mary had spent enough time with Jesus to recognize his voice. I think I've said this story before when my kids were little. One of the things that we did in their in their school was we had we were prayer parents, and so we were looking at that scripture that talks about my sheep will know my voice, oh, yeah, right? right? Yep, they right. will hear me and they will follow me, like you just said, Craig. They will follow me, and so what we did is we went around the school and we we taped people saying that scripture verse. So we taped the librarian and she said that scripture verse. And then we taped the PE teacher who they all loved. And he read that scripture verse. And then we taped the lunchroom lady and they were listening, used to hearing her voice over the microphone in the lunchroom. And then we taped a couple of parents' voices, not us that were in the room, but a couple of other parent voices. And so we went in there and we played, the, we played that scripture verse, you know, my sheep will hear my voice. Yep. They will know me they will follow me um my sheep know my voice and so we played it and all the kids would go oh 
that's Mrs. So and So. Oh, that's Mr. So. <laughs> and then then we play then we played a parent voice, and it was so hilarious because. The whole class got quiet. Everybody's like, who on earth is that? Except one little kid who gets the biggest grin on their face and their eyes light up and they're like, that's my daddy, <laughs> you know? And, and, and we talked about, why do you know your daddy's voice and these other kids don't? Well, because you spend time with your daddy. Well, each of us, do you know Jesus's voice? And the, you know his voice once you've spent time with him. Yeah. So how are you spending time with him? And, you know, I love your comment about... Um, being intimate with our kids. I know that's one of the things that as I've read about what is it that the young people are seeking today and they want authenticity. They want people who are authentic in their lives and they sometimes feel like their parents are not to be trusted as authentic because their parents won't tell them about those tomb moments. They won't tell them about those times where they failed or where they're struggling and things like that. So, you know, each of us has that opportunity to share with our kids where we're struggling and where we've struggled in our faith, but where Jesus has been there, where God's been there for us and how, you know, how those moments made an impact on our lives and how Helped us to grow, and sure. I think it's so critical for us to share those. John, you, I, I can see the smoke coming out your ears. <laughs> no, I was thinking of two things. One, just being intimate with your kids. Agreed. I, I would be cautious. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would be prudent because there's things in each of our lives, or, and maybe it's maybe it's just in my life, but there's certainly things in in my life that I would and have counseled our children according to experience. Only insofar as to articulate the difficulty, the pain, without the details, because sometimes the details would be less helpful than, mm-hmm. than just having to understand, yeah. right? So I yeah. think I offer that. But I'm going all the way back to the Lazarus thing that you said, right? Because Lazarus comes out of the tomb, so we're called out of the tomb, but he's bound up. Mm. And, so, you know, Jesus says, unbind him. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking about this in a Bible study. It's like, if you're trying to unbind me, I'm kind of comfortable in my bindings right now. Mm. I don't, nothing hurts me when I'm wrapped up and bound, right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a much more secure place when, when I'm in my bindings and it's cutting those bindings loose. And I think that's maybe what you're saying about the intimacy part of it. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you, you got to kind of take some of the ba- wrappings off. The part of the resurrection story that always just, that moves me still is the cloth for his head taken off, folded up, set in a different place. You just have that vision on Easter morning, right? He's just yeah. up and that piece comes off and yeah. it's yeah. like crazy. And so it's, it's like he could unbind himself. We may not be able to do that, yeah. right? We have to find that time to let him unbind us. Have you heard that story about the whole and the importance of why that was folded up so nicely and set yes. beside. Yes. Yeah. Did we talk about that? Not sure that because I was, if, if, I don't know if we talked about it here, but it's, <clears throat> uh, we were talking about it Easter with the kids. It's, it's just, it's absolutely, it's why John said, oh, I get it. Right. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. No, tell. No. So, so apparently part of the tradition, right. Is that if the, the master of the home, um, he's the first one he'll, he can get, he'll get up, he might get up from the table. And if he gets up from the table and he just kind of throws his napkin, on his chair or next to his plate or whatever, it means I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not coming back. This is it, right? The meal is now over. But if the master actually folds his napkin and lays it beside his plate, it means I'm coming, coming back. back. I'm Dinner's coming not back. Done. Yeah. The, the feast, feast is not, is not like over. That. The feast is like not that. over. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. What I love about our show, sometimes they prompt memories that, you know, you remember, but yet you kind of stored in the back. And talking about, Finding out Jesus was real. Mm. 
Yeah, I always, it was funny because I've always said my mother, God's a tattletale. I was in college, uh, I forget, sophomore year, I think it was junior year, and, you know, dating, whatever. And you know, look at, you know, I'm not exactly the smoothest guy in the world. So <laughs> when I when I when I found a young lady, it was always like, oh, great. You know, OK, I'm going to try to hold on to this one for as long as I can. It's like going fishing. Right. But I remember getting um, I, think that, I don't know, I want to say this the right way. So basically, this person was like, yeah, I don't like you. You're too nice of a guy type of a thing. And, you know, they all wanted the guy that was going to be the bad boy, whatever. And I remember sitting in my my efficiency apartment and just going, you know, screw this. I'm going to treat girls just like that. Why am I going to care anymore? Why do I care about this? And this is a true, this is a true story, folks. So, you know, I can validate it. My mother doesn't remember it because she's 94, but I can, I can validate its truth. I got a phone call in my apartment, like no more than 10, 15 minutes after I had that thought of, I'm going to stop caring. And it was my mother. And she says, hey, what's going on? How are you? I said, oh, nothing, just, you know, in my apartment, I'm fine. She goes, no, really, how are you? I said, well, I'm fine. And everything's going great, whatever, whatever. And she says, no, nah, I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. She said, I was just in my prayer room. I was prompted to pray for you. And she said, if... Jesus can hang on a cross and not quit caring about you despite what you've done. How can you think about not caring about people? Oh my gosh. Wow. Christ could not have been more real mm. in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But it was because of her faithfulness and her willingness to listen. Like, and be obedient. She was obedient to the prompting, right? And God opened up. We were nine, ten, mile, ten, ten hours apart. Yeah. There is no space in time. And yet God entered into it through her. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry for yeah. well, lo lo losing my, my, my composure, folks. But, I mean, those were real moments when God decided, I'm going to kiss you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hug you and I'm going to teach you. It's painful, yeah. but I know what that pain was like because, yeah, I could have wanted to quit caring too, but I chose not to. Right, right. So, apologies, folks. There's so much in that story, though. First of all, telling your kids that story, your kids hearing that story, your kids seeing the impact it had on your life. So powerful, you know, so powerful. And then the other piece, right? You've got to for all of us parents out here, don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop praying. Mm -hmm. Keep those lines open because God will reveal when your kids do need and they need a word from you, whoever might be. Um, but but the other piece of this, too, and this is where I think this these days we've gotten in, in the way of this. We don't want our kids to go through hard things. We don't want them to be uncomfortable, right? It's very and, true. and time in college, time on your own as a young person, loneliness um, sadness, that's all part of the journey. And you had to go through that part of the journey to feel 
the love of God in your life at that moment, right? If you were having so much fun, if you were out partying, if you were surrounded and everything had been taking care of you, you would not have experienced God to the degree that you experienced God. Like we said, Mary Magdalene, she went running after Jesus and she recognized him right away. And she's probably the, the, of the, of the disciples that we know of, as we learn the stories of all of the disciples who were there with Jesus daily, she probably had the hardest life that we know about right beforehand. And so you can see what she came through. So do we allow our kids to experience hard stuff? You know, I know for me, we, you know, we talked about how did our parents kind of set a stage for us, but then how did it start to become real for us? And I know for me, um, Jesus became more real to me um, when I was 23 and my mom was diagnosed with cancer and I became her caregiver. My dad was out of the country. My sister was off in college. And um, before I went to become her full-time caregiver and quit my job and everything, a amazing man who was my boss at the time, once again, God ordained so many beautiful relationships. He sent me to a cursio. And so I went to a weekend where I met Jesus smack dab strong. And I'd never heard people talk about their personal relationships. I'd never heard Catholic people. I'd never heard Catholic people talk about these things. And each of the stories at the Curcia, which is a lot like what Chirp is for those Mm -hmm. of you going through Chirp today and all, or Welcome, I think it's called now. Um, Hearing people's really tough stories and yet seeing the hope and the joy and the 24-hour relationship that they had with Jesus changed my life. And at 23, and I'm so thankful, I'm going to cry now, so (laughs) at 23, you know, he entered into my life in such a profound way and made himself so real to me through these other people who were willing to share really hard things. Um, and he and God knew I was going to be walking through hard things and walking through hard things with my family and walking through hard things than just as a young adult. Um, and he made it so that I would know that he was there. And that's when my own um, my own running after him started. And it's that's not awesome. stopped yet. And it's not. And he has been ever faithful. Yeah. That's wonderful. We've been together for two years doing this. And it's the first time I heard the story. So. <laughs> John, come on, you got to have a story to share. It's I have, there's a million. I went through formation for seven years, right? So I considered um, the priesthood as a vocation for seven years, and and and, and that you get you're really well formed, right? There's a lot yeah. of opportunities that um, they're, actually they're all available now, but probably less for the for the laity at the time. But um, but I was I was classic John. I mean, if you talk to my teachers in grammar school, probably you talk to Barb, she'll tell you, you know, John just gets in the zone and he just goes, right? And I go. And and I was in the zone for a lot of that formation. And then I would go on these retreats and there would be guys having these profound moments in adoration and stuff like that. And I'm like, good for you. Good for you, bro. I just not there, just not seeing it, not feeling it. It wasn't like God was far away. I had certainly a wonderful life, but... There was, I'm like, I don't know how all that works. I, it's good for you. Maybe it's real. Maybe, maybe you're just, I don't know. Right. It was very hard. It was actually in the discernment process to decide whether I should leave and whether Barb was like the path I should walk. Right. Yeah. So you had to decide whether you're going to marry Jesus or marry Barb. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, you know, it's a decision you make every day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was in a quiet time in St. Mary's Chapel at Villanova for the very first time. He was there. I could smell. And and then I knew, that, okay, that's the path I need to walk. It's Barb, right? But it was at a Curcio that I was convicted because 
I'm a pretty fun date. I think people would <laughs> tell like, you. No, I'm not sure I want to know, Jim. <laughs> I, I, people tell you. No, I mean, like, they say John's enjoyable. He's fun. That was a fun date. And I can, you know, do and be enjoyable. And that's and God at Curcio. It, it, and, you know, that last part, he's like, man, we, you, you're a great date, John. You're a great date. When when are we going to stop dating mm. and get into a serious relationship? When are you going to make a commitment to me? Yeah. And um, that was the moment. It was, wow. That's when the prayer chair started. Well, do me a favor because that's all I'm thinking about. You know, the excitement you talk about getting up at ungodly hours in the morning to sit in your prayer chair yeah. to be with Jesus. Talk a little bit about that, though, because, you know, we keep talking about spending time being committed talk about your prayer chair and frankly talk about how you really heartfelt feel about that um it was really hard to do that because i'm i'm way add if you go back when you're listening to this podcast you'll listen to kind of how i've been talking for the last hour and you're like yeah he's all over the place but um but, that's uh, what makes you a fun date <laughs> that's right. it's never boring um but um just to get a few minutes of quiet time was hard in the beginning. But at the Curcio, that's where I made the commitment. And um, I will tell you, God is so faithful. Um, the minute I moved in that direction in a prayer chair, boom, he was there. Oh, wow. Um, and, and it's different now, uh, whatever it is, 30, almost 30 years later, I guess. But, um, but he, was, he was there. To me, um, in the beginning, now even, it's... I would love to tell you how great a sacrifice it is to get up at that hour. I get up at 3.30 or 4 o'clock, 4.30, depending on the day, what the schedule looks like. But um, pretty much 4.30 every morning now. And I'm, I have a cup of coffee with Jesus. It's, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Um, I have, I've never been in my prayer chair and thought that even in the driest times, he was there. There have been some truly rewarding times and there have been some really difficult times and there have been times, honestly, where I got out of the chair and I was on my knees on the ground and I was just like lost, but he was there. Mm. So do you just listen to him when you're sitting there? So I, it got to warm up a little bit. Usually I, I try to take a few minutes to be quiet and then I'll read um, scripture usually. Um, and And then I have a candle burning and I just be quiet and try to listen. It's really hard for me. So when I, when I have a hard time listening, I take something that I learned and I've always journaled. I've journaled in high school and had more on and off a little bit, but typically a pretty steady journal writer. And, um, and, and so when I have a hard time or I'm really all over the place, I'll just start writing in the journal. When Barb and I did um, marriage encounter, right? They Mm -hmm. tell you the hot pen um, mm-hmm. And hot pen is just like, just write whatever, just write, just start writing whatever comes to your mind, you know, da 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 da, you know, ants and pants rhyme, or, you know, <laughs> so whatever it is, and and you just write, and uh, and I haven't had to do that, uh, and and that's been a really powerful tool for me because if you go back and read my journals, please don't, um, but if you go back and read them, you will see questions and then you will see answers, and it's mm-hmm. and it's John. Here's the deal. And and it really is it's it's like an answer. Yeah. And, and you say, Well, that's just you. 
No, if it was me, it'd be way more messed up than was. <laughs> no, because I know what I want and I know what he wants. And, and you know, Father Mike Schmidt says it. That's the, that's the foundation of sin. I know what you want, Lord, and I know what I want, and I'm going to do what I want, mm-hmm. right? And so, anyway, so that's that, that, that quiet time is, is super, super important for me because I'm a restless person. I am a very mm-hmm. restless person. Barbara, why can't you just sit down and, you know, and just watch? Did you, can you just sit down for five minutes? No, I can't. I'm a restless soul. And so having that quiet time is really important. That's great. I'm so glad you asked that because I think as I l- listen, think back to how we started this conversation and just the importance of it is, you know, each of us is seeking. Each of us is seeking and Christ wants to be found. He's ready for us. He's ready. He wants to to he wants us to he- understand and know his voice. He wants us to seek after him. But he will answer in whatever way we each personally need. Right. And he will offer you opportunity to build that relationship deeper based on what you need. Yes. And he knew for you, he needed you to get, sit still. Sit still. <laughs> you know? need to come quick. He, he yeah. knows I'm an impatient guy. Yeah. 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 For me, he knew that I love words. I've always loved words. I love to read. I was that kid who always had a book with me at all times because, you know, maybe we'd finish in class five minutes early and and before the bell rang. I could read more of my book. Right. And so he knew that it was his word that was going to get me. And so I came out of Curcio at 23, you know, and this is 35 years ago, as I realized right about right now, about 35 years ago, exactly. I came out of Curcio and I wanted a Bible and I realized I only had my kid, little kid Bible, you know, that's the one I had. And I went to a bookstore and bought a Bible. I didn't even know at the time there was a difference between a Protestant Bible and a Catholic (laughs) Bible. I just bought a Bible. And, um, and then I went and found a Bible study and he opened my heart to Bible studies. And I have been in Bible studies ever since. And now God's had me lead Bible studies. He's had me help write Bible studies, but he knew the way that he was going to grab me and hold me tight and hold me close. And so, um, my faith was going to grow through his living word. Right. And so I think it's so beautiful. Hey, he does whatever we each need. Yeah. And I like that too, because it's not, I want you to become like John Craig. I want you to become like, it's I want you to be you yeah. and I want you to hear my voice the way I designed you to hear my voice. Yeah. And that's what makes it so personal and so, you know, awe inspiring that, you know, the God who created everything, mm-hmm. when he says, I called you by name, I mean it's so individual and so intimate, and yet it's so hard to grasp that some days. Yeah. It really is. So I think it's a be- that's a beautiful place to close, right? Um so Hey, Craig, would you close for us in prayer? No, because I'll start crying again. Somebody else gets to close. (laughs) You want me to do it? Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you, and we adore you. And we thank you for the ways that you have called each one of us by name. And Lord, as we pray, we pray for each one of the people listening right now, that you would call them by name, that you would call them just as Jesus called Mary outside the tomb. You would call them by name, and that they would hear your voice, and that they would know that you are calling them into a personal relationship with them, and a relationship that they are going to be... Um, 
just so seeking after and a relationship that they're going to be so excited to share with others, especially other people in their family, their children, um, young or old. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you give us this gift of faith. And so we praise you and thank you today for the gift of faith. And it's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. And the Father, the Father and the Son, and the Holy, holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Listeners, we thank you for joining us here in the family room this week. Please join us again next week where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.